Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Awesome. Well, if you can just stay standing for just uh, a moment more. I wanted to uh, just read our text for today. I want to read it to you in its entirety. No words on the screen. Just listen uh, to these words of Paul written to the Philippians in chapter 4, beginning in verse, uh, beginning in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, focus on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Father, today as we open up your word, as we turn our hearts and attention to you, we ask that you would speak to us, that you'd illuminate our minds, transform our souls, and help us to be more like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give somebody a fist bump. Tell them it's going to be a good morning. Great to see all of you here today. We are, uh, we're actually in the tail end of a message series. If you're joining us for the first time today or you've been away for a little bit, uh, we have actually been in a, in a, in a sermon series called uh, Winning the War in your mind. And this four-week message series is based on Craig Groeschel's uh, book by the same name. And uh, I think that the content we've been covering over the last uh, three weeks and today has been super helpful. Maybe it's been helpful for you. It certainly has been helpful for me because the, the, the truth of the matter is all of us wrestle with our thoughts. There's a battleground in our minds uh, and the thoughts that we think have great, great power in our life. We've, we've been saying this uh, statement each week of the series, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The thoughts that we think impact everything. So if we can change our thinking, we can change our life. If we can align our thoughts with what's true, what God has spoken, uh, then it changes everything around us and everything in our life. Uh, over the, I guess a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about the lies that we believe and we talked about how thoughts come into our minds, and uh, they can be true, or they can be lies, and sometimes we believe lies, and it actually forms a wall around us. It actually limits us from walking in the freedom, and the thing that we learned uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, 10 is that we must demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The idea is that Every thought that comes into our mind, everything that we think we should stop, we should arrest it, ride, patrol it, grab that thought and say, where are you coming from and where are you going? Because if that thought does not line up with what God has said is true, we need to just reject it and throw it out. Because one of the things we learned is that the more you think a thought, the more you will think of it in the future, the more you create a pathway in your mind and in your soul. So, so we talked about that. Then last week, we actually talked about uh, this idea of you know, sometimes it's not a lie that we're believing that's causing us problems. Sometimes the problem is the filter, right? And we, we learned about the, the, the spies that went into the land of Canaan. Twelve spies went in. 
They looked at all the same information, same cities, same fortifications, same giants, all of it. And 10 of them said, oh no. All they could see was the obstacles, the opposition, the giants. But there were two, Joshua and Caleb. And they didn't just, they saw all the same stuff, but they had a totally different filter going. They said, we are well able to take the land. God is with us. So sometimes it's, it's not the facts that need to change. Sometimes it's our filter. And he, sometimes it's what we're, and we, I had my radio, I had my ghetto blaster, and I was tuning in the radio frequencies. And, and what I was saying is that we can decide which frequency we're going to focus in on and tune into, right? You can tune into what I don't have, 102.4 FM, right? And you can focus on all the things you don't have and all the things that are going wrong. And all you're going to see is all the things you don't have. And all you're going to see are the things that are going wrong. Or you can change the station and you can begin to focus in on what you do have what God has blessed you with, and it'll produce gratitude. So same facts and information in your life, totally different result based on the filter and the frequency that you tune into. Does that make sense? That's good? So today, uh, the title of the message today is Calm My Anxious Mind. And so I want to talk about the anxious thoughts, the worry, the fear, some of those things uh, that happen inside of us, those thoughts that we have. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a really, really good week uh, this week. It just happened to land this week of the series, happened to land uh, on the week where we have Bell Let's Talk, there's, there's a lot of information out there on mental health at this time and season. Anybody notice how dark it's been? Yeah, I mean, I just want to see the sun. Like, it's just, it, it's dark, the days are short, and people are isolated in their homes, and, and, and it is a, it's a serious issue. And so while this message isn't specifically on mental health, and we're going to be talking about it as we talk about our, our anxious mind. Whenever, whenever I get the chance to speak on a subject like this, um, I usually want to kind of debunk some myths or lies about mental health, so I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, here's the first one. Myths about mental health. Number one, people who have faith in God never struggle with fill in the blank, right? Like, if you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. If you, never, if you have enough faith, you'll never feel depressed. You'll never have anxiety. You'll never struggle with fear. Like, if you have enough faith... And, and the reason why this is, this is problematic is because when you read the Bible, which I love, by the way, when you open up the Bible, you read stories of the, uh, of the great men and women of faith who trusted God and they struggled with anxiety and depression and fear and loneliness and doubt. And so, so these things are, are not new and all of us will struggle. And so if we believe this lie, you know what happens? We actually have the struggle, but then we also stack on top of it guilt and shame. It's like, I'm struggling with this. And I shouldn't be. I don't have enough faith. I'm, and it, everything just continues to get worse. So we want to just debunk that, okay? Let's just, let's just take that one right off the table. Here's the second uh, myth that I think is worth talking about. If Satan could say one thing in your ear today, it'd probably be this. You're the only one who struggles with this issue. You're the only one. Nobody else has that fear. Nobody else is struggling with your addiction. Nobody else is having that problem in their marriage. Nobody else has friends like it's just it just wants you uh, to um, to believe that. And and again, social media doesn't help, right? Social media tends to feed this. Why? Because when we go on there, we see look around this room, amazing looking people. Everyone's got their life together clearly. And if I were to look at the walls on your pages and whatever you're posting, it, it's all the best stuff. It's your vacation. It's your family photo from Christmas. It's like the, 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 the one time you ate a healthy meal, you took a picture of it, and you posted it there for everyone to see. Look, I'm eating a quinoa salad. Yeah, sure. The fries are out of the frame, right? And, and this is what social media can do if we're not careful. This is what everyone sees, and this is the real thing. You know, this is the back half of the apple. And, and <laughs> someone sent me that this week. This has got a really good chuckle out of that. Thanks, Calvin. It was... Um, Again, this, this is the problem, right? So, so again, if we believe we're the only ones that struggle, 
We look around and we go, I'm alone. And what it does is it actually drives us to isolation. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. That's exactly what destroys you. Uh, one last one, and then we'll, we'll move on. Myth about mental health. Nothing will ever change. If you believe that your situation will never change, whatever you're, th- you're struggling with, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your health, maybe it's anxiety or depression or something else. If you believe this lie that nothing will ever change, all it will do is it will just create hopelessness. That's, that's all you'll have. You'll just be like, there's no point. And we've been learning over the last three weeks that we can change our thinking. We've been learning that we can actually rewire our brain through the things we think about, that we can change our focus, and that we can renew our minds by the power of God, and we can have hope that things will change. Is that good? So, we're talking about anxiety today. Let's go to the scriptures. We're going to see what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, do not be anxious. We could just stop there. Amen. Let's pray. Send everybody home. We all know what the Bible says. In fact, I would call this a sound bite because this is in the larger context of a chapter. There's all this stuff around it. And sometimes we take Bible verses and we just go, there it is. There's the truth. And just don't, just don't be anxious. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been really angry? You're fuming mad and someone's like, don't be angry. Did that help? <laughs> right? you know, like, my kids, when they were little, they'd be like terrified. They're like, oh, I'm so scared. It's like, don't be scared. Be brave. And it's like, that doesn't work. It doesn't help. So, so if Paul is just saying, like, don't be, just, just don't be, it, it actually doesn't help us, and that's actually not what he's saying. But before we do get into uh, what Paul is actually trying to communicate and, and the verses surrounding it, I, I want to I just uh, dig into a little bit of the science of the brain. Is that okay? We've been doing this a little bit through the series. I hope it's helpful. I want to introduce to you this little thing called the amygdala, okay? The amygdala, there are like two little almond-shaped um, clusters of cells at the base of your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala has a really, really important purpose. And I, I've written down here what it does. The amygdala is responsible for the fight or flight response. All of you have experienced this. Let's say you're at home alone, or you think you're at home alone, and it's night, and you're walking around in your pajamas, and all of a sudden, someone in your family comes bah, out of the room. And what happens? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Tanya said, you scream. Yeah, you're like, ah! And what happens is your amygdala, okay, that part of your brain that is responsible for fight or flight, it fires adrenaline into your system. That's why you'll get the shakes and you'll be just super alert, right? And you literally respond. And what happens is if the fight or flight response is severe enough, it'll actually just bypass your logical brain. Like you don't, you don't think about it. I, a couple of weeks ago, I, t- I told you about how my, my younger brother and I were cutting trails in the forest. And how when we choose our thoughts, we actually can create pathways through our brain, right? We can create roadways. And so we were down there, and I was, one day, I was climbing up this steep hill in the forest. There was trees. And I'm hanging onto the trees, and I got my hatchet, and I'm going up this hill. And I get to the top, and I peer over the, the top edge of this cliff that I was climbing. Got tree, hatchet, and I look over the thing, and there's this giant garter snake about this far from my face. Little tongue, right? Just going at me. And... I'm not like completely terrified of snakes, but when I saw it, my amygdala just took over. All I remember is going, ah! And then I opened my eyes, and that snake was in like 50, 40-something pieces. Like it was just all in chunks, just still wiggling. And I'm holding the axe like, what just happened? (laughs) If I I had just come across that poor poor little garter snake in the forest, I would have just walked around it or pushed it out of the way with my foot. But man, when that thing happened, like it... I didn't, it just happened. I was just like, ah, I just reacted. Some of you have been like that. You're driving down the road. Don't you love people who are texting while they're driving? 
and you're driving down the road and you're, you're thinking about something, and next thing you know, that car comes swerving into your lane, going to take you out. You don't think about it. Your logic brain doesn't go, oh, I'm going to adjust my angle by three degrees and apply the brakes, you know, you know at such and such a... Br-. No. You just go, ah, and you just respond. That's your, that's your amygdala. And then you put down your phone and you honk at them. <laughs> Please don't do that. You're with me, right? So, hypocrisy, it's everywhere. Um, but the idea is like, yeah, the amygdala actually is actually a really, really important component of your brain because it protects you. It protects you. And, and so uh, this week I reached out to a number of mental health experts that attend our church, that are part of our church family. And I said, here's, here's what I'm teaching. I'm like, what do you think? And, and, and they, uh, a number of them wrote back to me and said, listen, you need to understand. The amygdala is really important. You don't want to not have it. You don't want to not have a fight or flight response because it will save your life. If your kid is running out into traffic and you just, ah, you grab them and pull them out of harm's way, that, that's a good thing, right? So that, that's appropriate. That's appropriate. And so one of the things that's really important for us to understand when we're talking about anxiety is that we will all experience it. Some anxiety is actually good because anxiety actually protects you. Anxiety is something that is a result of the amygdala going danger, 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 danger. And so appropriate levels, appropriate levels of anxiety can actually be extremely healthy. And so when we're talking about something like anxiety, it's really important to understand, okay, that all of us through the course of our week will have moments where we're stressed, moments where there's danger or there's, there's conflict, and so our anxiety level will rise appropriate to the situation, right? If you're on the edge of a 10-story building walking on the ledge, you should feel anxiety. Your heart should be racing. You should be alert. So that's an appropriate high level of anxiety. But, but, when you get off the ledge, that anxiety level should come down when you're safe, right? You with me? And so what happens is most of us, we have anxiety going up and down through the course of the week. But sometimes if we're anxious for too long, we can get into uh, issues. Or sometimes your, your anxiety level will spike and then it doesn't come down. And you can imagine walking through a grocery store and feeling like you're walking on a ledge. That's not, that's not. And so what you're now talking about is not an appropriate level of anxiety. You're actually talking about an anxiety disorder, perhaps, right? And so again, today as we're talking about anxiety and fear and these things, there's a lot of stuff that you and I can do. If you're experiencing a disorder, something that is beyond the norm, that's where I would encourage you to, to get some professional help and to reach out. And, and do you understand what I'm saying? So I just want to make that really clear. So... This, this is actually a really, really helpful thing. The amygdala, the fight or flight response, it, it, can, save, it can save our lives. Um, thankfully, though, uh, we're not just an amygdala. Thankfully, we're not just reactionary beings. We do have something else called the prefrontal cortex. And this is the front of your brain, and, and the big idea here is that the prefrontal cortex is the, the part that, um, that, that applies logic and assesses the situation. So, for example, you're walking through your living room, and you see a snake on the carpet. We're just going to stick with the snake theme this morning. So you see the snake. What happens? You're like, ah, snake. And then your prefrontal cortex, after your amygdala has sort of taken over and hijacked your system, your prefrontal cortex kicks in and goes, it's not moving. It looks rubber. <laughs> Pretty sure that came from the dollar store. Like, you're, you know, it's slow. And then slowly your adrenaline's coming down and you're, you're calm. So what happens is your, your logic brain starts to take over and apply the situation. Now, what's, what's interesting about this is that, that we can actually, we can actually, through uh, the actions we take, we can actually reduce uh, how our amygdala will take over. So, for example, when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, we, we bought some horses because I wanted to be cowboy. I know you wouldn't guess it from the flamingo shirt, but I wanted to be a cowboy. And, and so we bought these horses. The one horse we had was, was a black and white uh, pinto horse. 
And we, when we went to pick it up, it was in a field with a bunch of cows. And we couldn't find it because he looked just like a cow. It looked like a milk cow. And he was, and he was huge. He was so round, we could put the saddle on it. It just slid around the belly. Like, it was like a cartoon. It was so bad. So we had to exercise the horse so that we could put the saddle on him. Eventually, we were gonna, I was going to train this horse so I could ride the horse. Uh, but this horse was extremely flighty. And I don't know if you've ever worked with horses, but you know that horses, uh, their fight or flight response, it's mostly a flight response. <laughs> and when a horse gets scared of anything, a, a branch can snap in the, behind a tree. They will just run full speed in the other direction. And that's how they stay safe in the wild. And that makes sense, except when you have a 12-year-old kid sitting on the back of the horse, you probably don't want it taking off when a grocery bag blows through the fence, right? Because that's what happens. And so um, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I, I wanted to learn how to train horse, so I, I bought these, these, their VHS cassette series from this horse whisperer. And one of the, one of the, I'm dating myself, one of these VHS cassette tapes was all about how to retrain your horse from this fight or flight mentality, right? Because naturally they would be like, something scary, run. And that over time, with the appropriate training, you could actually teach the horse that when something new or something strange or scary happens, that instead of running away from it, the horse would turn its attention towards it and, and, and observe it. And you could actually teach a horse to override its fight or flight instinct and actually pay attention and observe some. How many of you know we're, we are, uh, our intellectual ability should be a little bit higher than a horse? You and I, you and I, when we apply the appropriate um, attitude, we can actually do that. We can override our fight-or-flight instinct uh, in ways where, when, when it's appropriate and helpful for us. So, so that, that's really, really good news. Um, so I want to go back to our text now. Now, you've got, now you understand what's going on, right? Your, your amygdala, kinda, it can hijack your body, and it can move you into anxiety and fear and all of these things. It's not a bad thing, but we have to learn. We have to learn how to manage these things and how to take another tack. So here it goes, uh, Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, when I read this, I'm like, what is Paul trying to say? I'll tell you what he's not trying to say. Paul is not trying to say don't feel anxiety. He's not saying that if you run into a lion after church, don't be scared. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that if you're going through a traumatic event, you've lost a loved one, that you shouldn't feel anxiety. That's not what he's saying. I looked up the, the actual word uh, that's, that's used here in the Greek. It's, it's the word merimnau. And when, whenever this word is translated, it's more, more closely translated to like take thought or, or uh, the cares of this world or worry. And what Paul is saying is don't, don't focus your attention and thoughts on the difficulties or the troubles of life that will create worry and anxiety in your, in your heart. Worry is, it would be defined well like this, to allow one's mind to, what's it say? Dwell on. To, to, it's like pitching camp, right? So it's like all of us have, you know, maybe you have this thought like, oh, my kid is going off the rails, you know? By this time next year, who knows? He could be in a ditch somewhere. So you're like all concerned and worried, okay? Your amygdala is going, danger for my kid, and so you're starting... But what do you do with those thoughts, of, uh, those anxious and worry thoughts? What do you do with them? Paul's like, don't dwell on them. That's what he's saying. Don't be anxious. Don't focus on them. Don't sit with them. And what he's going to do, he's actually going to give us an alternative because you're going to feel worry. You're going to feel fear. You're going to feel anxiety. So what do you do? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says, when you feel those thoughts, Take them to God. Bring it to Him. Take your fears to Him. Prayer should not be 
our last resort. How many times are we like, we're trying everything, right? We're in a situation where like, we've tried everything. I guess all we can do now is, that's wrong. Prayer should not be the last resort. It should be our first line of offense. Prayer should be the first thing that we do when things aren't going right. The first thing we do when we feel that, <gasps> my kids call it the vacuum cleaner, right? Because like if somebody hits the brakes in front of us and my wife goes, <gasps> and they're like, mom's doing the vacuum cleaner. Like we all have those vacuum cleaner moments, right? We have those moments, you're at work and your boss is like, we're doing layoffs and you're like, <gasps> our first reaction when we feel anxiety, when we feel fear should be to take it to the Lord in prayer. Take everything to the Lord in prayer, like the old hymn says. That should be our first resort. And here's the incredible thing. When we pray, something incredible happens when we talk to God. Now, let me tell you something. God already knows what you're going through. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your situation, but he still wants to hear it from your lips. He wants you as his child to say, this is what I'm going through, Father. This is where I am. Help me. Be with me. Give me your peace. And he is ready and waiting to step into that situation. And something that's really incredible is that when we pray, it moves the heart of God. Our Father goes, man, they're bringing this to me. And he steps in. So it moves the heart of God, but it also changes our brain. Because remember how I talked to you, the things we think about actually change the pathways in our brain. This is a quote from Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain. It's been found that 12 minutes, that's not hours, 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. 12 minutes, turning to God, taking your fears, your anxieties, and handing them over to Him in prayer, just doing that simple act every day. Actually, you can actually see the difference on a brain scan. Someone after church this morning showed me an actual brain scan and was showing me the amygdala and like, look, this is what you were talking about. You can actually, they can image the brain and they can see the difference. So, man, prayer should be the first place we go. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's incredible what happens when we, again, it's not that you won't feel these things. It's not that you won't struggle with these things. We've already debunked that myth. It's when we feel these things. When we're struggling with these things, we take them to the Lord in prayer. Uh, before, before we kind of wrap things up, I want to share with you, uh, just these are some really, really practical steps. If right now you're struggling with uh, any kind of uh, anxiety, depression, things like that, it's certainly not uncommon at this time of year. This week, I had a few things happen to me that were just like a couple different things, and I had, to, I had to put all of this into practice for myself. So, I mean, this is just like reframe it, re, and just take it to God. And uh, so I want to share with you a few practical steps, okay? And numerous... Um, mental health specialists in our church actually talked about this. Sleep. It sounds so simple. Like, is there a pill? Is there a program? Is there a process? Like, do, what, what kind of therapy do I need? Most of us, we need more of this. And it's incredible to me, like, if you go three or four nights with not enough sleep, all of a sudden, your problems look a lot bigger than they should. Have you ever experienced that, where you, like, have a a nap or a really good long sleep, and you have some wholesome food, and you get a hug from somebody, and all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I can handle this. It's incredible how something as simple as sleep is. And so even if you're going to a therapist or you're going to, you've got to wait two weeks to go and see them, you know, to get an appointment, start here. Start working on this. And if you can improve this, I assure you, a lot of the symptoms you're experiencing uh, will very, very likely improve. Here's another one. Uh, Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. This is actually really, really important. I've noticed that when I'm stressed out, I eat junk food. Maybe I'm the only one. You guys are all saintly. I'm just like, oh, I just feel terrible. Give me some chips. Ah, oh, a burger. 
You know, and this week I, I had, had a couple days where I hadn't slept well and I was feeling a bit stressed and, and, and we didn't have lunch and my wife's like, hey, would you, you know, go to Wendy's, here's a two can dine coupon. And I, I was sitting in the drive-thru and I'm like, you know what, this is actually going to make things worse for me. I ordered a salad. Yeah, yeah. But it's, honestly, it's, it's sometimes it's the little things. Like when your amygdala, when your amygdala hijacks you and it's like, ah, fear, panic, all of that adrenaline gets released into your system. And if you're just sitting at home in front of your computer or your TV, all that stuff's just brewing in your body. One of the therapists I was talking to was like, when I feel that, I go for a long walk outside. And I burn off the adrenaline and I release it out of my system instead of taking it out of my spouse. Because that's the other option, right? So diet and exercise play a huge part because our, our mind and our body are deeply connected. And if we do something to impact one positively, it impacts the other positively. Here's another one, a community. When I was a little kid and I was scared, it was just like, well, if my mom or dad would just come and sit on the end of my bed, everything just felt better. And it's incredible the power of just having people around, having someone to talk to, someone to listen, someone to give you a hug. That can make a huge, huge impact on your mental health. So do you have community? Can you pursue it? Lastly, uh, talk about removing stressors. Like, for example, if you have conflict in your home, you hate your job, and you have a sore back, and, you know, somebody's mad at you and your family. Like, just, you got like three or four stressors. Maybe you bought a car you can't afford and you don't have enough money at the end of every month and you're just feeling like, you can start to remove stressors. Like, maybe sell the new car and get something more affordable. Maybe you could resolve the conflict. Maybe you could, you know, so there's things you could do to remove stress. So these are just really practical things that help to eliminate all of this anxiety. That's coming to us because our, our brain is doing what it's supposed to do. It's trying to protect us. And we want to take all of that and want to submit it to God. Now, I would say that for, for many people listening today, um, I was looking up some of the stats on the Canadian Mental Health Association website. Apparently, people who are 40 years old, which some of us in this room would be 40 or older, uh, people who are 40 years old, about 50% of them have struggled with or are currently struggling with a mental health issue. So very relevant. About one in five kids and teens are wrestling with some form of, of mental health disorder. So this is like, it affects everybody and affects the people we love. That's why this stuff matters. And as a church, we're talking about today, I'm, I'm sharing with you tips and scriptures to help. But I just, I just want to be really clear. If you're struggling at a level where you can't find a way out, there is help on our website. I've got an image here. If you go to our, our church site and you click on My Church Mental Health, uh, there's links for therapists, and we even offer assistance and all of that stuff. So I just want you to know, if you need help beyond taking some of these tips home, there is help, and we're here, and you can ask for it. But as we close, I want to encourage you, because I just think that for so many people, we just believe that lie that it's just me and, 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 and nobody else, and we don't know where to turn. And, and in First Peter, he says this, I love this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then notice this phrase. It's really cool. Casting your anxieties on him because what? Let's say this together. You never have to go through anything alone because he cares for you. And hopefully this church, there's going to be people who care for you as well. He'll always do it perfectly. We won't, but we're a work in progress. But he cares for you. And so that means that you can take whatever you're going through, whatever anxiety, fear, whatever it is, you can bring it to him and he'll listen. And he already knows, but he wants to hear it from you. And when we bring it to him in prayer, he steps in and brings us peace. Why? Because he, he cares for you. Now, one last thing before we pray and close this up. I have noticed in life that, that most of the problems we face are cyclical. 
What I mean by that is we tend to keep circling around the same bush. Over the years, I've done lots of marriage counseling with young couples, and sometimes they'll be like, I'm, look, I'm, as, a, as I'm walking them through the process, I'm saying, like, I'm trying to flag things that might be issues for them so that we can you know, prepare them for uh, 60 years together. That's the goal, or more. And I'll, I will find an issue, and they'll be like, oh, no, no, we've, we sorted that one out last week. Like, we're good. And I just chuckle under my breath because, as you guys know, most issues you, you keep recircling around them, right? And uh, if, you, like, if you naturally struggle with fear, if, if you have an overactive amygdala, okay? If you struggle with fear, chances are you will take that fear to God and cast it at his feet and say, I'm trusting you today. And next week, something else will trigger that same thing, and you're going to have to take it. See, this isn't something you do once. It's something that we do repeatedly. Every time we take it to the Lord and we cast our cares on him. Again, if you think it's like, oh, hey, today we're going to pray for you and you're never going to struggle with that again. Maybe, I hope so. But if not, every single time it resurfaces, hopefully it takes you even less time to go to him in prayer, right? Maybe the first time it took you a week to figure it out. Then the next time it's two days and then two hours and then 20 minutes. And then like that, that anxiety, that fear, that depression starts to come over you and you're like, you know what? I'm taking it to God in prayer right now. And you cast it on him over and over and over again. You with me? So let's pray together today. Father, I pray for every person here today. Lord, you have made us so incredibly. You've, you've, you've placed things like the amygdala, this tiny component of our brain that, that protects us. And Lord, we sense anxiety and fear and all of these other emotions and stressors. But Lord, we, we want to take it to you. We, we, don't want to, we don't want to try to fight this battle on our own, but God, we want to take everything to you in prayer. Help us to trust you. Help us to lean into you. God, thank you for your word, for your encouragement. And I pray right now uh, for every person here that your peace would just descend on their hearts, that we'd leave this this place today just a, just a little more confident that you are present in our lives, that you can be trusted as we cast our cares on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh,